Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, world. Welcome aboard, all you ground troops spinning around smartly on the planet we call home, Earth, Gaia, Sophia, Sophia. And by many other names, it's still home out there in the galaxy, Milky Way galaxy, inside the universe, among many universes. And we are about those people that believe alien civilizations exist, and we are the Ascension Cosmos Oracles Corp., a nonprofit of Florida. But we are working together with Pastor Richard T. Knight of Valdosta, Georgia, and he brings us uplifting news and educates us weekly. And we also have other shows we do, and we'll be coming Ah, more acquainted with each other, but thank you listeners, because we know out there that you're all over the place, as we are in cars and trucks and campers and in your homes and in your businesses and just driving around the world. So thank you, everyone in Australia. Your numbers are coming up, and other locations, Canada, thank you, New Zealand, Ireland, (laughs) Norway. Thank you, everybody. Uh, We really appreciate sticking with us these nine years. Well, today we're going to talk about what we're growing with Pastor Richard T. Knight in America, and that is our Ascension Cosmos Oracles and how we are using our minds and our spirit and our bodies. But ego versus humility was the idea that we have for him to speak to you about today. And I'm going to sit back and listen, and I will come and go uh, during our conversation here uh, among ourselves as life coaches and practicing metaphysicians and, of course, pastors of the Universal Life Church out of Modesta, California. So without further ado, I hope everybody is doing well, and I'm excited to bring Richard on. So, Richard, Pastor Richard T. Knight, you have the floor and the podium, sir, and I'm going to mute. So. Thank you for okay. coming. Okay. All right. Well, good afternoon, good evening, or whatever time of day it happens to be in your part of the world. Yes, we are gathered here today on a very important day. It's the 10th day of the 10th month in the 2021st year. So they say that the 1010 portal is open now, which follows the Lionsgate portal, which was 88. So yes, there's a great infusion of all kinds of energies bombarding the planet, bombarding us individually, bombarding us in all kinds of ways, raising our frequencies, raising our vibrations, and allowing us to breathe a little easier in a lot of positive ways. And so today's topics are uh, something that's been coined and probably passed around quite a deal, uh, a good deal, especially in psychology, 
because, of course, uh, if you go back to uh, Freud, then, of course, uh, he was one of the two fathers of psychology, more or less, him and Jung. But uh, anyway, he, he always broke the mental personality down into three parts. And he always saw it as being the id or identity, that part of ourselves which basically wants and desires things or wants and desires to accomplish something or wants and desires to go somewhere or to do something or to even possibly have a relationship. Sort of a, you know, I, I am here, I want to have fulfillment. It is all your desires composites in one frame of reference. And then the next portion, of course, was the ego. Now, the ego, of course, is what basically goes between your regular uh, id or id or, uh, you know, the go-getter that wants to uh, have all these various desires fulfilled, and your ego is placed upon uh, being the one that says, well, you know, we have to compromise here and there, and we'll accomplish this at a certain time, or we'll accomplish that at a certain time. But it, it can also be... Uh, rendered from a lot of different perspectives because, you know, a person can have a regular ego, which means that their self-worth, their self-confidence, and all of these kind of traits are in proper perspective and proper balance within themselves mentally and emotionally, or they can be somewhat exaggerated and out of balance, in which case you would call them egocentric or vain or overly self-important or even an egomaniac for that matter. And all of these, of course, are eccentricities of when, when, of when a person allows their self-image to get out of proportion to the extent they feel more important than anyone else or they feel more significant than anyone else. And so they kind of look down their nose upon everybody else in, in judgment and say, well, you know, you're not as good as I because you haven't accomplished as much as I have and the kind of thing, you know. And then in turn... Uh, the third portion, what, what he originally termed the ego, the superego, which of course was also related to and accepted as our conscience. Now, of course, uh, we all try to be good conscious human beings. We try to be, have morals and ethics, and we try to act with morals and ethics as we interrelate and uh, interact with each other and so forth. And therefore, you know, uh, we have conscience. In other words, we... Uh, are very self-conscious of what we do and how we go about doing it and so forth. And it's our consciousness that basically overlooks our ego. And our ego, of course, in turn tries to keep in check our desires. So these three all interact each, each, with each other and it forms uh, parts and participles of our personality because naturally our personality is combined of all the experiences that we have ever done all that we have ever learned, all that we have ever accepted as truth, all the beliefs that we have allowed ourselves to, uh, you know, garner together and uh, accept as parts of ourselves, and all of these various things. And it's all very well and good. And uh, so on the opposing table, in a manner of speaking, because some, to some sense they are opposites, and yet at the same time they can be well... Uh, accepted into the whole from a lot of different perspectives and that is humility and humility of course is a sense of proper placement a sense of self-worth but not exaggerated in any way 
a sense of uh, being modest, a sense of looking upon things from the aspect that, you know, you are neither any better than anyone, nor are you any less than anyone. And then, of course, if you take humility to the extreme, then it becomes selflessness, where you are completely detached from uh, interactions or the actions that go before you in life from the aspect being that you are neither attached to anything nor to anyone. You have no, and of course, this is a Buddhist concept and a Taoist concept, and it even plays into Zen for that matter, which are all, of course, Eastern philosophies. And it purports that, you know, uh, you have only sorrows and suffering if you have attachments. So uh, Gautama Buddha uh, ministered unto his uh, disciples and followers and so forth. And he would say, you know, that if you have attachments, then you can feel a sense of loss. If you have attachments, you can feel a sense of not being together unless there is an outer part of you that is also present. And these kind of things. So uh, an extremely humble person, of course, is is one that uh, plays along, goes along with everything. Uh, They do not like conflict. They do not like uh, confrontation or anything of that nature. And yet from a spiritual perspective, humility is, is treasured simply because it is looked upon as a virtue. Uh, both in the Bible and other numerous other treatises and other philosophies around the world. And humility is, is looked upon as being uh, accepting of one's grand, grandeur and yet at the same time realizing that you are not alone and that you are not the only person in the picture, nor are you the only one that is exemplified in a picture of, say, millions nor are you the only one that is important in any manner of speaking uh, in the race. Uh, and then in turn, you know, that all that you uh, give forward unto others is a service in a manner of speaking because you are proud to serve. You're humble in the fact being that you hope your actions are enough to provide the proper amount of service to others. And Humility on a spiritual understanding, of course, is the willingness to understand that uh, you you have very little, if any, control over anything, regardless of it be your actions, regardless of whether you find yourself in a circumstance, most circumstances and situations are beyond your control. And so you look at life from the perspective that, you know, uh, you are just a humble human being, and yes, you are unique. But at the same time, uh, you are no different uh, or, uh, you know, any greater or lesser than another given individual. And that your accomplishments are all there, are all done in order to allow you to serve others even better. And from a a spiritual perspective, this resonates with the humility to serve others and the humility to recognize that there is a God or a power beyond yourself and that that God is responsible for your creation. And therefore, you should always be humble in the presence of or expression of that divine being, whether uh, that expression be coming through uh, a gifted person or a circumstance where you find yourself uh, being taught by someone, you know, uh, who you can revere, basically, because you have the humility to understand that that person has more experience and more wisdom that you have 
So you sit there, you know, tenaciously, and you become a student of theirs, and you willingly open yourselves up to accept all that they have to say or all that they may in turn uh, beseech to you in wisdom and knowledge. And from the aspect being that you are very modest. In other words, you are not worried about uh, collecting a lot of grandiose things in the world. You don't have to live in a million-dollar house. You don't have to drive a a $500,000 car. You don't have to uh, wear expensive clothes. You are humble from the aspect being that you are meek and mild in your presentation and your very presence of yourself. So if you blend all of this together, okay, of course, humility uh, becomes a treasured trait of your conscience because it guides you in your interactions with others. And, of course, from a spiritual aspect, it says that you're there is a spiritual authority or a spiritual presence or a spiritual creator far and above us that in turn has created us all. And for that, we should be humbly grateful and, you know, express gratitude towards our creators. And then in turn, also be grateful to one another for all the help and the assistance that we give each other or the guidance we give each other or the counsel we give each other or the help that we give each other when it is most utmost needed. So if you combine a humble conscience, okay, and you bring in the ego and you bring in the id or the uh, desires to be fulfilled and so forth, then you have kind of a juggling act because it all has to fit together and balance each other out in, in a lot of different ways. Well, if you desire always to serve others or to be of benefit to others, uh, then if that is the strongest desire, you would find that your own desires follow afterwards. And, of course, you know, we, we are ever so grateful to all of our medical community and all the nurses and all the doctors and all the various other uh, persons in the medical field that have, of course, aided us greatly as we have gone through this pandemic Uh, You know, and we have lost many and we have gained others because naturally in our circle of influence, um, some of us, of course, only came down with minor symptoms and were able to get on with life, you know, after only a a brief few days of uh, maybe coughing and and, uh, running a fever and so forth. And then others, unfortunately, were taking all the way out uh, from the expression being, you know, that they were medically hospitalized. And unfortunately, uh, because the virus itself was taking uh, or combining in addition to other medical conditions they already had ongoing, it was enough, unfortunately, that they left our presence. But again, if we express ourselves consciously, when you start opening the parameters of consciousness itself, then, of course, you can say that in actuality, from a spiritual statement that, or perspective rather, that no one is ever truly gone. And this is very true because uh, when, even when we cross over to the other side or go beyond the veil or any of number of 100 other expressions that I can use, depending, of course, on your belief system and so forth, but once the body itself has died, your consciousness, which is a part of you, um, and your personality, which is also a viable part of you, transit on in your energetic or your essence or your core of your being unto wherever it is you need to go next. 
And of course, for the most part, uh, I would I would go as far as to say that some of uh, you know go to the other side, where they decide and determine where next they will next be. In other words, whether they wish to express themselves in another incarnation here on Earth, or they wish to transit to another planet or another galaxy or another universe, or whether they just want to remain from an aspect of being a helping or an aid to others that are still physically incarnate. So your consciousness and your personality, of course, are ingrained as a part of your core nature. And, of course, I identify this as being your soul. And, of course, I refer to your soul as your personality and your spirit as being your spiritual essence. So, therefore, you are a spirit that has a soul that, in turn, is interacting on a physical scale in regards to incarnating into a physical body and then, in in turn, interacting on a physical basis, an emotional and mental basis with all of those around you and all the situations and experiences you garner. So, getting back to the ego and humility, of course, uh, the ego uh, can be a, a very useful tool, and it is a very necessary tool. It keeps our mental selves in check to some degree. Um, we need to have self-worth. We need to have self-confidence. We need to believe in ourselves. We need to love ourselves. And by doing all of these things, then in turn, we can appreciate our fellow human beings, regardless of whether they be friend or family or strangers. Um, And in turn, we approach them with a consciousness of wanting to treat them as we would treat ourselves. And of course, you know, this is one of the tenets that Christ himself taught unto us all, treat others as you would have yourself treated or love others as you would love yourself. So... Um, it is very applicable from that perspective. Um, And there in turn, you know, you have your desires and your wants, which of course, uh, we are down here as incorporeal beings, as spiritual energies, spiritual essence that have personalities and identities unique unto ourselves, and we incarnate into a physical body. And we are here to express our spiritual nature through our physical selves as well as to garner what it is like to experience a physical reality when in fact we are uh, nothing but energetic consciousness. And so we come through here and we learn all kinds of lessons that we have put before ourselves to learn and we gain a great deal of uh, wisdom and knowledge not only from our experiences but also sometimes through colleges or sometimes through tutelage by various elders or various uh, persons that are more elderly to ourselves, whether they be grandparents or uh, great uncles and aunts or whoever it happens to be, or older brothers, older sisters, uh, as well as our parents, of course. But the thing of it is we we are garnering all of this information and all of this experience and all of this knowledge in hopes that we had over time become more, much more wiser than we were in the beginning until such a state of being occurs that our consciousness rises to the point that, yes, we can say, okay, we have accomplished whatever it was we came here to accomplish, and we are now ready to graduate, in a manner of speaking, from this earthly plane of many, many lessons back into being the spiritual selves that we actually are. 
So it is a recognition of the spirit first, the soul second, and then in turn our physical natures last, which of course are our five senses as well as our physical selves. And of course, mentally, like we said, if you, if you uh, subscribe to Freud, which I, I have studied psychology for a great many years as a hobby, I have no degrees in the same, but I did garner a great deal of wisdom, insight, and so forth. I have taken many college classes in this topic of psychology. And it gives you an idea of a way to examine yourself inwardly from a mental perspective. And yes, one must have great self-worth because you need to appreciate the fact of the miracle it is that you're here in the first place. And then secondly, all the richness that you can experience in all different kinds of capacities and all varieties and walks of life in all kinds of experiences in environments, in all kinds of experiences in jobs, in all kinds of experiences in schools, in all kinds of experiences of interactions, uh, not only here in the United States, but in many other countries in the world, which will enrich you very greatly uh, through the sharing of their culture and the sharing of their belief systems and so forth. Uh, because I personally believe that you know, you should always be open-minded. In other words, rather, you don't want to be personally judged, so you really should not judge others from any given perspective because that creates a bias. And when you're biased, then you are leaving out something that you can perceive. In other words, almost like you're withholding something from yourself in not being able to understand and perceive where another person is coming from simply because they have a different culture or they have a you know they were raised in a different environment or they come from a different country or they come from a different religious belief or they come from a different belief system or they come from uh, you know all kinds of different societal changes that they may have encountered in their life stream or their life story and now they come forward and, and they're you know interacting with you as a given individual and sometimes the interaction is very brief and at other times, the interaction may be for only a few weeks, a few months, a few years, or in some instances, you may have made a lifelong friend. And again, it is all in how we interact with each other. Now, naturally, if you come upon a person that is very egocentric and very vain and very self-centered or narcissistic, uh, you really would not be turned away. You would really not want to be in their presence for very long because you would ask yourself the question, well, why am I here or why am I interacting with this person? Because they're so self-centered, they don't appear to have any reason or any desire to truly interact with others other than the fact that they just are using them in some capacity to get ahead or to better themselves and oftentimes at the expense of those around them. And this is what an, an egocentered person is, is, you know, they, they, they just want to lord over other people and they just want to look down on them and get ahead at the other person's expense and so forth. So ego as a tool, okay, in that it can combine and utilize all kinds of very important self-concepts is great. And that is the tool it should be used for. When it becomes exaggerated, then of course, then it becomes offensive to other people. 
And of course, we all have wants and desires, and there's no harm in having wants or desires. Matter of fact, you know, that's just a human, that's all part of the human condition. And of course, for the most part, we all have a conscience. Now, there is a difference between conscience, uh, in speaking of the mental self, because your conscience, your conscience is, is what drives you morally and ethically in guarding you and guiding you in how you interact with others. Your conscious, of course, is naturally your conscious. Uh, your consciousness is not only all of your mental attributes, but all of your emotional attributes, your physical attributes, as well as your spiritual attributes. And that would contain all of your spiritual beliefs, all of your, uh, the faith that you hold within yourself and toward whatever you perceive reality contains, whether you uh, absolutely recognize that naturally there is a source that created us all and continues to create all things and manifests itself through all expressions in creation itself, or if in fact, uh, you know, you, you have a specific lineage of deities or a hierarchy of deities, and, you know, if in fact, you know, you uh, may not see any deities at all. Rather, maybe you see yourself as a space traveler and maybe you relate, relate to other space travelers such as aliens or extraterrestrials or space vehicles and get all up into ufology and all of this kind of thing. But even if you do that, these things are usually on your outermost parameter. Um, so on one level, they're innermost because naturally as a belief within yourself, they are something you hold near and dear, and basically you would stand up for them to the extent that, you know, if someone were to challenge you on a belief system or a way that you believe, then naturally you would become upset and possibly even want to argue. Whereas if you are humble, you would not have to worry about arguing simply because you would greatly accept that this, is, this person is expressing their belief and their way of looking at things, and their opinions, and all of this. And it is not that you would necessarily take it into yourself. Rather, you would only appreciate it and acknowledge it from the aspect being this is how another given individual is expressing themselves in regards to a particular topic that has arisen in conversation betwixt the two of you. So, you have your id, which, like I said, is, is basically your desires. Now, of course, if you extend it out as uh, the terminology of ID, then, of course, we all have identifications, which, of course, we're all fingerprinted for the most part. Uh, we've all, you know, have birth certificates that gave us our name and, and shows our lineage who our parents are. And then, in turn, these are registered with the federal government, and we all have Social Security numbers. That is, all of us residents that were natural citizens of the United States. Now, I mean, when we start talking to other people, then, of course, they have passports, and, you know, they go through the immigration process if they wish to stay here in the United States, and then, in turn, gain citizenship over a certain period of time and, and having taken a test and being sworn as, into, as, into the U.S. as a, a proper citizen thereof. So, I mean, we of course, in the United States are a melting pot. We can bravely boast that, yes, we are a contingent, contingency of all kinds of people from all around the world. 
and some of us, uh, you, you know, our grandparents came over to the United States from whatever country it may have been and settled here, and then we in turn, of course, uh, their kids in turn became uh, legalized citizens because they were born here, and then we in turn became legalized citizens after we were born from them here in this great country of ours. So anyway, but yes, we are a melting pot of all kinds of societies, cultures, traits, characteristics, uh, physical um, descriptions, and so forth. And we have made a very good job, to some extent, of blending with each other. But now, of course, the focus has to be one of unity. Because you see, there has been so many divisions of so many kinds on the beliefs that we are all separate and on the beliefs that we are all uh, separated from our creators for so very long that things have come about full circle now. And so you could say that, you know, it is a unity consciousness that we now all presently strive for. Well, of course, if you're egotistical, you're not going to want to work with anyone else because you're all about the self and what the self can gain and how much, you know, uh, how much capacity you have for collecting things and, and, and garnering other positions of uh, strength and, and, and things of that nature and control and influence over others because you have this uh, grandiose per perception of yourself as being, you know, bigger, larger, more important than other people. And, of course, you, you, there is going to be some resentment because, you know, uh, other people are not going to appreciate you if that is the way you feel about yourself and that is how you treat others in turn. Uh, but yes, we all have identifications and we even have a spiritual identification. We have what you would call a sonic signature or a vibrational and frequency signature that identifies us as the spiritual beings that in fact we are, that in fact are in turn having a physical encounter or a physical experiment or a physical uh, way of garnering information, knowledge, and wisdom by incarnating into a physical body that normally we would not inhabit and normally we would not have the limits thereof because naturally as energetic consciousness, we are not limited in any way to physical laws and we are not limited in any way to physical expression alone because we can influence all of creation through our energetic selves, through our conscious selves, through our consciousness and our energy combined. So it's like you're taking this grandiose person who is unlimited and can uh, you, there are no impossibilities on that level. Any expression can be made. Any expression can be created out of the energy of creation itself and translated into creation on a spiritual level. Now, of course, when you start talking, bringing the spiritual uh, intent and the spiritual energies into the physical, then, of course, there is a uh, demurring process, you could say, in a way, because everything that, is, that you create on a spiritual level has to downgrade energetically until it eventually gets denser and denser and denser and in turn creates itself energetically on a physical level. So we all have identities. So the, our identities, of course, make us uh, or create our desires, our wants, 
um, you know, what we want to do, where we want to go, how we want to be, who we want to be with, uh, where we want, you know, what we want to learn, uh, what kind of a job we wish to have, what kind of intelligence we wish, you know, we wish to develop. All of these kind of things is, resonates with our personal identity and is shortened, of course, to the id from the aspect being that that is where our desires and our wants basically come forth from. And then, of course, like I said, our ego, of course, is a very good tool that can be readily used from the perspective being that we tamper or temper our wants and desires to being more meaningful and less compunctual or less uh, erratic or even less um, so outstanding that we have to give in to them constantly. And, of course, uh, there's, uh, you know, a, a, another bad side to that would be, of course, if your wants and desires are to experience drugs or alcohol or any other uh, addictive substances, then, of course, that would take you off of your path to self-development because it would put you on a side road and give you a lot of very negative experiences while you transit through that path until eventually you come back to finding more of yourself. And once you have found yourself, you then can continue forward with all of yourself rather than just focusing on a very minute part of yourself. And so the ego, it's like I said, when it's treated as a tool, it moderates and modifies your wants and desires so that it balances them out so that you're not like a three-year-old or a five-year-old running around saying, well, I want this and throw a tantrum when you don't get it, which is very immature, of course. But instead, you become a more experienced, a more developed, and a more mature given individual, and you say, okay, well, I would like to have this, and so I now have to create a path for which my abilities will allow me to obtain the same whether it be, you know, a, a very nice house to live in or whether it be a nice car to drive or whether it be a particular position in society, whether it be a particular job, whether it be a particular uh, function in some way, shape, or form, where you interact and basically you blend into society rather than becoming an obstruction to society. And, you know, there, there is so much history when it comes to equality and, and rights and civil unions and, and all of this kind of thing. And again, these are all based on desires because we basically feel the need to be acknowledged that yes, we are here and yes, we are given individuals unique in form, unique in consciousness, unique in knowledge, unique in our wisdom, unique in our experience, unique in our background, unique in everything that we have done and that we will continue to be that way simply because you cannot be otherwise. You will always be unique, not only as a human being, but you are also unique as a spiritual essence, a spiritual identity, and, a, and a, you know, your spirit is unique because it was created that way. So you are unique and independent on all levels, and where we need to get to now is a space of its full acceptance from the aspect being that we fully accept each other from all parameters without bias, without distinction, and without uh, any kind of um, moral or ethical issues from the aspect being 
that we are all equal and that we all have the same rights and that we all should have the same treatment and it should be equal around the world, around the globe, uh, around all communities, in all societies, in all countries, regardless of where it may be that you reside. And this is a great step because, uh, you know, historically speaking, there has always been conflict and there has always been uh, dominance of the controlling class. And, you know, the, the majority of the people were always lorded over and so forth. Well, we have grown tremendously in this last couple hundred years. We have grown not only as uh, the population in the U.S., but the, there are numerous other countries where uh, maturity and equality has set in. Uh, we could say that it was due to the spreading of democracy. Well, democracy implies that, you know, you should have a government for the people, by the people, and of the people. And that's the, the credence of democracy. And by that governance, then in turn, if the people are fully represented in the governors that they are that are governing them, then in turn they would pass on to them all the, the rights and privileges that they themselves enjoy. And so, again, breaking it back down to conscience. Now, there are probably... Uh, we all have a conscience in one way or shape or form or another, simply because we all, in our conscience, uh, we have garnered how it is proper to act in certain settings or what right actions are or wrong actions are. Or we have learned directly from our parents and other relatives. We have learned from our teachers in school. We have learned from uh, friends and associates and uh, teammates even in sports and so forth, of the right way to be and the wrong way to be, and what a good conscious person undertakes that is morally and ethically true um, for the best not only of themselves, but for the best of the group or for the best of humanity as a whole. Now, yes, I understand I've been covering a great deal of information and a great deal of uh, personal uh, opinion and personal thoughts and so forth, but I hope that in doing so, I have done it at such a pace that I have fully expressed that, you know, there is a severe difference between our wants and desires, our ego, which of course regulates how we moder go about moderately to acquire those wants and desires, and our conscience, of course, that governs us, governs us from the aspect of what is good and right in, pe in reaching out to treat other people. And then you add the aspect of humility, and a humble person is one that always puts consideration for the best of others before themselves. A humble person is one that, it is not that they don't think much of themselves, rather that they think equally of others as much as they do themselves. And so this is, this provides not only for a spiritual aspect of being, you know, willing and accepting to acknowledge not only is there a power or a force beyond yourself that in turn is the creator or creators of all that is, has been, and is yet to be, but that you in turn are also a part and parcel thereof. So therefore you are an immortal being on a spiritual awareness level and that in turn you co-create, in a manner of speaking, 
not only your own given individual world where you interact with, you know, your loved ones and your family and your friends and, you know, uh, all the other persons involved in your relationships, uh, whether they be friends, acquaintances, teachers, elders, whoever they happen to be. And then in turn, we as a race on a conscious level create all that is going on in the world and all that we experience culturally on a much larger basis as given individual societies. So it all interrelates and it all interacts and it all interfaces with each part and unique construct of all of these ideas and all of these perceptions. Because now, you know, you can, I could readily go back into delving into the mind itself because, yes, the mind has uh, been explored a great deal. Personality has been explored a great deal. Uh, emotional concepts and uh, all of these different constructs have been explored a great deal since, uh, you know, Dr. Young and Dr. Um, Freud have been around. And, of course, some of it was carried forward by their own students. And, of course, the field of psychology and psychiatry has branched out tremendously. And uh, there have been all kinds of uh, studies undertaken and everything else. And I'm not going to delve directly into the depths of psychology, even though I could possibly do so rather readily if I so chose. Uh, You know, I studied the DSM, which is... uh, the manual that is used by psychologists, psychotherapists, and psychiatrists to determine as to whether, in fact, a person exhibiting certain symptoms, in fact, has a certain syndrome or a certain uh, ailment mentally. Um, And again, these are all tools that are used in hopes of determining if a person has been traumatized in some way and in turn developed some kind of mental ailment that in turn can be cured or if not cured completely, at least uh, put in such a guise that that person is readily able to live with it, okay? Um, and fortunately, uh, you know, there, is, uh, there are still institutions, even though a great many institutions have been closed, uh, there are still institutions uh, to the extreme for the criminally insane. And I only bring this up for the aspect being that a person without a conscience, okay, that has no conscience whatsoever, they have no morals, they have no ethics, they have no concerns for how they do, what they do, when they do, or how they do it involving other given individuals. So, for example, you would say that a serial killer basically has no conscience because they have no remorse, they have no um, conscious idea of how they may be affecting another person physically, or that in turn, by doing so, how that in turn will affect others mentally and emotionally that personally know that given individual. So if you have no conscience, then yes, you could readily kill someone without having any drawback personally on a conscious level you know, that you have done anything wrong. You would have no remorse, no regret. And this is the only way I could relate to a serial killer because uh, obviously they have no conscience at all in regards to the seriousness of their actions uh, brought about towards others. And then, of course, on the opposite extreme, 
you have uh, a few given persons in the world uh, that are what you would call spiritually advanced given individuals that only want to do the right thing for others and they teach most profusely all of the beliefs that they have come to know and that they and the various practices and traditions that they have undertaken uh, whether they be a yogi or a guru or uh, various other given individuals uh, like the Pope in Rome or you know uh, various Sufis or Sufi and and people of this nature and yes then in addition to that you could say that they all have reached an ascension point in consciousness now I'm no longer speaking conscience because the conscience is basically what tells you uh, what to do uh, and how to determine what is right and what is wrong and obviously what harms another given individual and how to prevent yourself from harming other individuals whether it be in violent acts or whether it be in uh, uh, conflict or whether it be a confrontation uh, these are all acts that in turn reach through the boundaries of another given individual and uh, affect them negatively in some way whether it be mentally emotionally physically or all three together and traumatizes that person because you are inflicting your will over the will of another given individual whether it be like I said physically emotionally mentally and even sometimes to some small degrees in some minor ways it can be spiritual as well for example I mean if, if you know I were to lead a person into understanding a certain tradition and in turn maintaining or accepting a, a specific spread of beliefs and these beliefs in turn uh, down the road led to different detriments to them emotionally psychically uh, mentally or you know physically then in turn uh, that would be morally and ethically wrong because uh, these beliefs that I am sharing with this other given individual are not that individuals and therefore they have a much of right of, of on their own to develop their own given individual beliefs so anyway but we speak of the ascended masters and most of the ascended masters like ourselves have physically been incarnate in physical bodies in previous lives in previous centuries in previous civilizations in previous societies in previous cultures and traditions and they are ascended from the aspect being that whilst they were alive they began to realize or recognize the very concepts that I have been sharing with you in the last however long uh, of my oration anyway duration of my oration <laughs> and if basically an ascended master uh, there are some that have never been human uh, they can empathize they sympathize and they can gain understanding energetically and spiritually as to what it's like to be human and of course can see that we have been uh, on a very downward path for a very long time and it is time that we are picked up from the bottom and at least given a chance from the aspect being that the playing field now becomes fair instead of lopsided which is which it has been for a very long time so we have conscience which is our moral and ethical views as well as our innate knowing 
and consideration of what is right and wrong in all all manner that we act, whether it be physically, mentally, or emotionally, or even spiritually. And then in turn, we have our identity, and of course, we have our ego. And of course, uh, the trait of humility is one that is, is a virtue. It can be developed, and some people are born with it and stay that way all their lives, and other people have to develop it, uh, because, you know, unfortunately, uh, those that are very egotistical and egomaniacal uh, eventually find themselves in a situation someday where they themselves are humbled. In other words, whether it be the loss of their fortune, whether it be the loss of their physical possessions, whether it be the loss of power and influence, whatever it be that had put them to a point where they believe they lord over other people, they suddenly find themselves knocked down all the way that they now are one of the persons that they used to influence and control. So you could say the rubber band has stretched back the other way or it got stretched to such a point that the tension was completely released. Or you could look at it from the aspect of being a pendulum, and the pendulum, of course, swings all the way to the right and all the way to the left. And eventually, you know, of course, it does also trust... Uh, transpire for a few odd seconds dead in the middle whilst it is gathering enough energy to proceed to the in the other direction so in turn you know this is where we are at I mean we have a conscious self that is unlimited and uh, there is nothing that is impossible to us in reality because ideas become imagination, and our imagination in turn creates all that we experience and all that we gain understanding in, which in turn gives us knowledge, and through experience we then in turn gain wisdom. And so humility is, like I said, a matter of recognition that we are all in this together, we all need to accept and fully treat each other as equals. There should be no bias, and we should greet each other with unconditional love. And because by doing so, then in turn that creates unity consciousness. And unity consciousness is where we need to go next. We have been suffering amongst divided and separate consciousness for a very, very long time. And there has been very, very little unity and the reason being there's been strife and inequality and suffering and, uh, you know, all kinds of impacted uh, traumatic events, whether they be uh, brought about by nature or whether they be brought about by man, such as wars and conflict and uh, crimes and all of these very negative things. And so we, it is a time to turn away from those and to greet each other as fellow members of the race that we are. Teresa, might you have anything to add? Hello? <laughs> anyway, I, I, I know that you're listening to me, I hope. Yeah, uh, I just couldn't get to the button. <laughs> okay. Well, you... Uh, helping us in a lot of ways understand the difference and why we need to be humble and uh, you know uh, also uh, 
humility and how we can discuss parapsychology out of I've got the second half like a message of how psychology of being human versus parapsychology the study of personalities of the normal and mundane versus the study of the supernatural you know out-of-body near-death experiences that's very popular right now and uh ways of knowing things aren't we don't really have words or feelings all being the all and yogi practices of meditation helps a lot of people i know it helps me prayers and meditation but uh, maybe we can give some examples of uh, how to be able to listen to people and uh, be good listeners and let them even be wrong if they need to be wrong in order to find out what might be mentioned later in their lives uh, commonly associated with all or om or om in the you know Upanishads and Bhagavad Gita things like that chaining words that help you uh, purify your mind body environment and soul things like that maybe uh, you know so many of us don't have the right uh, understanding of who we are but maybe it's from past lives karma dharma all of that but I thought maybe parapsychology because that's so much of what we study in metaphysics in spirituality uh, it's still a form of psychology that you're talking about but uh, you know we've talked a lot about humanity humility ego and uh, then there's wisdom that comes really from educating yourself and being humble versus uh, egocentric are those like little children that don't know the difference egocentrism I think is the word I'd have to look it up but how you can uh, not tell yourself from others in a way of not understanding empathy in uh, empathic behavior in our sage journals our integrative medicine now humanistic psychology and parapsychology there was a paper back in 1973 by Stanley Krippner PhD that's the one that dr. Richard Allen Miller looks up to he is the director Stanley Krippner of Mominades, M-A-I-M-O-N-I-D-S, Dream Laboratory in Brooklyn, Director of Research for Child Development. But uh, I thought that was pretty interesting that they've been studying this, you know, way, I'm sure, in the 1600s, 1700s. But this gentleman uh, brought in a connection between humanistic psychology and parapsychology which was the superficial level of analysis do you want to go into how we're different in our group or why ascension cosmos oracles uh, shares what we do on Sundays uh, about the parapsychology part of us or not because that's you know oh, sure I mean you know uh, psychology of course is the understanding of the self it is a full exploration of the self that's where the word stems from basically uh, psycho meaning uh, you know uh, uh, an understanding of a given individual essence or a given individual knowledge or a given individual experience uh, and then of course ology uh, representing you know uh, the formation thereof or the foundation thereof so psychology is the understanding of the foundation of the self so that's what psychology. And then we have the, in a, in a the nutshell, psychology that's, that's of paranormal beliefs. 
Yes. Now, when you turn when you turn the coin to the other side and you start discussing pure psychology, well, then in turn, of course, yeah, I mean, you, you bring in you bring in all the whole um, the whole umbrella of metaphysics is all parapsychology. I mean, you're opening you're opening the floodgates is what you've done. I mean, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, parapsychology, of course, is. Uh, para meaning the unexplored or the yet to be explored or the yet to be understood. So you could say that, you know, parapsychology is turning from the understood and under, understandable self mentally, emotionally, and spiritually to that part of us that we do not have full understanding of or we have yet to explore. So, you know, anything that is paranormal, of course, is beyond what is considered to be normal. So, therefore, you know, UFOs being seen in the night sky is uh, abnormal from the aspect being that it is not something that occurs a great deal to a great many people. Instead, you know, they seem to appear in uh, very extreme and somewhat isolated places most of the time. That is not you know, to say they, they don't exist. Do what? They teach they teach paranormal beliefs and psychology online now. Uh, you can get degrees in it, but combining social and natural sciences as well as religion and philosophy, they have courses that have uh, skepticism, ESP, telepathy, clairvoyance, precognition, psychokinesis. PSI or side dreaming, afterlife channeling, near-death experiences, ghost UFOs, alien abductions, astrology, paraphysics, healing art sources, and other paranormal topics to be discussed in this framework, which is a relevant course that can be included in the public's interest in paranormal phenomena. And, you know, this is just amazing to me. For so many years, they didn't have things like this, but it says... The uh, A, it will review different events considered to be paranormal. B, addressing public's interests, paranormal phenomena. C, evaluating and dispelling myths surrounding paranormal events. What is, what is the wellspring that is offering to teach all of this? Uh, this is on a Microsoft Word RPSI 304 parapsychology syllabus for schools. And uh, okay. this is... <laughs> Let me see if this is prepared. For, this says it's prepared, uh, Microsoft Word, for all of this. It says prerequisite. There is no prerequisite. <laughs> I well, guess of course not, internet. because uh, these topics are not generally taught specifically in universities. Now, there are some universities that have gone into the paranormal subject matter. Uh, they have expanded their... Uh, sociology departments, they have expanded their psychology departments, and they have expanded their history departments and their uh, paleontology departments and things of this nature. So yes, you can can get sub-courses nowadays at regular universities that were just never ever even considered in the past simply because they were always looked upon as pseudosciences. So therefore, you know, astrology... Do what? Concord. This one looks like it has something to do with Concord education, but I don't know which city. There's one in New York. 
remote and online. There's one in California and North Carolina, the Department of Education in Concord. And so parapsychology. But this uh, document, I just hit the word and it pulled up a syllabus for the course, but there's no name or, or anything attached. It's like it's a generic Microsoft Word if you want to teach it. The syllabus, it tells you how what all's in it. But it's not under American Psychological Association or Parapsychological. And it's not in the DSM. It's a separate. I'll send it to you, Richard. How's that? Because it's a syllabus, and uh, maybe you can track it down. It'll take a little bit of research. Because all I can see is it said something about Concord. And, well, Concord uh, this is Law School is in California. And okay. I'm aware I'm aware that they have created uh, an encyclopedia some time a ways back. But, oh, uh, yeah. Encyclopedia. Very but, good. You know, but but other, other than that, that, as far as, uh, yeah, as far as them being, you know, uh, a regular university on a grander scale yeah. is, is, is yet to be understood, yeah, undertaken, good. or, you know. I good mean, well, fortunately, you know, you can learn anything over the Internet. All you got to do is put in a <laughs> few words, so. and it pulls up all kinds of stuff from all around the world now, which is yeah. something that, that has never been before, only, you know, basically come about in the last 50 years, roughly speaking. And, of course, during that 50 years, it became promulgated and more advanced and promulgated and more advanced and promulgated and more advanced until we are where we are now. So, yes, you can basically research anything, whether it be a single word, whether it be a single topic, whether it be a, a field of investigation, whether it be a field of knowledge, whether it be a field of experience. It's all at your beck and call or at your fingertips nowadays, um, you know. So, yes, I mean, parapsychology, paranormal, all of that, of course, uh, with the word para or meaning beyond, okay, in other words, existing on the fringe of what we normally consider to be regular experiences or regular psychology. Uh, so parapsychology would embrace everything that would be beyond the regular concepts or understanding of the regular mind or the regular uh, purview that a person would have within the normal realms of psychology itself. So parapsychology, of course, covers a great deal of knowledge in a lot of different various areas and under a lot of various topics for that matter. Uh, but the paranormal, well, of course, do I'm going to send you this link. I'm going to send this link to you. Well, that's fine. On the you know, okay. That's fine. Go for well, it. You, uh, you asked, uh, I, I just said parapsychology because that's sort of what I cut my teeth on. I guess you did too in metaphysics, so and what yeah, we're trying to do, you know. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, parapsychology is the understanding of the paranormal. One could say, <laughs> because you have to be able to digest the paranormal uh, into your psychological self in order to gain an understanding of why perhaps something happened, and then again at the same time. Maybe you just need to create a file 
within your experience level and just say, okay, well, this happened on such and such a day, and I have absolutely no understanding as to why or how it happened. All I know is that this is what I experienced. And sometimes there is no explanation. Sometimes it is beyond. There are things that happen without any rhyme nor reason whatsoever. They just happen. And we just happen to be at the right place at the right time to experience them. Um, you know, now paranormal, well, of course. I my group, Ascension Cosmos Reality Group. I didn't even know I had till just now. <laughs> so I'll invite you. Uh huh. That's that's because you see your your Ascension your night owl self. Reality. Your night owl self is creating things in the dark that your daylight self <laughs> is just now <laughs> discovering. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I do. I, think I know I'm right. I've had, since I've had out-of-body near-death experiences and worked in parapsychology, I appreciate it more than I ever have before because as we get older, folks, things change, and we adapt and we overcome in order to survive. And uh, I've been absolutely amazed at some of the uh, things that are happening uh, in my reality to change who I am and who I thought I was, even with my children. And I'm much more accepting uh, and doing a lot of meditation, reflecting. <laughs> but we have to reflect in order to grow in the terminologies that Richard's sharing with us. And psychology and now parapsychology is really what uh, so many of my friends in metaphysics, I'm growing a club I hope, Authors Club Online, but I've had to extend it to uh, Ascension Cosmos Oracles because so many of us want to study Ascension and the Cosmos, and we're oracles, or those that they, we study parapsychology and how it affects our minds and humanity and how to use the Internet, too. I've got to work with all of it, and uh, if you're into channeling and writing and into spiritualist um, movement of uh, knowing you're more than just your spirit, soul, self. When you come down here, uh, it's absolutely amazing. But they pretty much wrapped it all into that beautiful esoterics, metaphysics, her- hermeneutics, is for Hermes, or the study of all that. Hermeticism. <laughs> yes. Disciples of Hermes. And, uh, uh, you know, anything you can think of in parapsychology, uh, but mainly out-of-body near-death experiences, ESP, clairvoyance, all the stuff that we've studied. And Richard and I grew up uh, with Sylvia Brown being one of the ladies. She smoked heavily. That's the one thing I didn't understand. But I guess everybody has things that we're not – none of us are perfect. So you just have to look at it and go, oh, that's interesting because – you know, I couldn't well, read I mean, around she's, people that she just She's just <laughs> one, of, one of a couple hundred, you know, Many. that came forward all around the same time, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, there, there, were, there were all kinds of treatises, so uh, Madame Blavatsky yeah, and Alice please. Bailey, and, 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 and I could go yeah, on with a list of authors probably a mile long, uh, the majority of works which I've read and did read while I was coming up as a teenager. And then, of course, yeah. I had the... I had the advantage of meeting as a night under the stars, which basically we, we rented out uh, a musical classroom that where you know musicians would practice on various tiers in the floor, uh, kind of shelves like the way the classroom was set up, and that in turn 
uh, we would have presenters come and present all kinds of spiritual, esoteric, uh, parapsychological orientations and practices on a weekly basis, and then we would break free and go into discussion groups and meet at a coffee house and drink coffee and discuss things for hours thereafter. Oh, wow. And, and this was, when this was, was yeah, this was at San Jose uh, Communities College, okay, and this wow. was in San Jose, California. And this Very went on for, for a couple of years with me and my friends. And we would, like I said, the larger group probably consisted of about 60 people. And we would have, we would, you know, invite speakers of all kinds of different paths and all kinds of different spiritual walkways and so forth. And uh, at times, of course, we were allowed to have question and answer sessions directly after the speaker had presented. And at other times, of course, the speaker had to be at a certain other place at a certain given time, and so they couldn't stay long. But always after, after the group had concluded, we all met in smaller groups uh, at one of the local coffee houses, and uh, we would have discussions and question and answer sessions between ourselves based upon what our impressions were of what the presenter had presented or the knowledge and information shared and are also our given individual points of view. So, yes, it was very, very enriching, and it was like undertaking metaphysics 101 through uh, 10,010 within that two-year period because uh, you could not get a better, a more enriching experience from that aspect that I enjoyed during that two years. And there yeah, was there was no... Sybil Leake only, uh, she was an astrologer and a famous psychic, but she was also... And she's also uh, a witch. Yeah, 60 years. She only she died here in Florida, where I live, Melbourne, yes. Florida, but she was from England. And yes, Stafford, I know. Stafford, you know about her, Stafford. Yes, I do. Yeah. She's, you know, okay. again, a personality well, that, that was on my uh, horizon of interesting yeah. people. Back when I was a kid, yeah. you know. Hey, that's that, that, you get into divina, divination, and uh, you just studied. I, I studied. I wonder how many people are like us though that studied all this. So I know that it's very popular now. Uh, after Harry Potter did a lot for the world and children, Harry Potter books. But uh, you know, I think a, a we were the resistors. Don't. That's what I think. You I think? think we were the resistors. Yeah. In other words, I think we are a very small pocket of people that were very open-minded and willing to explore and willing to research and willing to investigate all kinds of supernatural topics uh, just because we were innately curious. Yeah, because now they see, call the best it integrative in, medicine. <laughs> the best investigators are always those that have a huge curiosity. Yeah, you know? yeah, it was. And, and interested in these women that were helping in, to write these books – and uh, Sybil wrote over 60 books, I believe. I, I can't find her right now. Okay, here's something. It says English witch, astrologer, psychic, occult author. So, uh, yeah, she wrote more than 60 books on the occult right. and esoteric subjects. So esoterics, I guess. But, you know, we a lot of them are in the New Age or self-help area. area but I haven't been in a bookstore in so long. The last ones I used to go to were Books a million. I think there's one in Pensacola still. But so many yes. of those little bookstores that you and I used to go into growing up or go down to the coffee house in the 60s and 70s, you know, that's 
maybe into the 80s. I don't know because I remember I was dancing a lot by the 80s, but now I'm in my going to be 70. So uh, now, are we? Do we work with uh, other all all world religions, but paganism and Wicca? Now, uh, those aren't in parapsychology, or are they? Because they're para. No. They're no. not. Okay. No, that, that would thing. fall. That would fall more into. Uh, they're not religions either. They're traditions, is what they are. So they would they would fall into belief systems, cultural belief systems. Um, because yeah, naturally, Wicca Wicca was created back in the sixties. Okay, by Gerald B. Gardner, who was also in England at the time. So Wicca is new on the scene. It is not ancient witchcraft. There is a significant difference between the two. Um, but, I mean, witchcraft, like I of course... I remember that studying cards years and years ago that there was a huge uprising between the Wiccans and the witchcraft and then witches and warlocks, and I remember those classes. There are no warlocks. Warlock is a, it, warlock's a Hollywood term. The word warlock means warmongerer. Okay, that's what the word warlock means, is warmongerer. Someone that uh, took lands and, and uh, ownership of places by like a warlord. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what warlock is, warlock is the Hollywood created term. Now, here, according to Wikipedia, just so you'll know, the kids will look up a warlock is a male practitioner of witchcraft of witchcraft. Well, according that, to Wikipedia, that just, go, that just goes to show you Wikipedia is wrong. Yeah. It's history, although most victims Wikipedia is not the most accurate source of truth telling on all subject matter. Custom design of a warlock, the opera, eighteen eighty one. So they had the design of a costume of a warlock back to eighteen eighty one in an opera. So it's probably so, somebody they made a warlock on stage. Alfredo Leonardo Adele, 1881, opera, Mafia, yeah. But in well, anyway, terminology, that doesn't yes. have any, it, more like a disambiguation, I guess, victims of the witch trials from Scotland. Men, some men were executed in Scotland. So yes. John Napier. But there have always been male and female witches down through tradition, down through history, period. There has never, ever been a warlock. Huh. Other than, like I said, a cultural, a cultural uh, uh, recognition that they were a person that took lands and seized personal possessions of others because they had an amassed fighting force. So, oh, yes, they were kind of a derivation of Old Norse caller of spirits has been suggested, but they're grasping for Old Norse, yes. Old Norse, yeah, Scandinavian the, yeah. etymology. Yeah, and then where we get our words, our it could order words or a trade. Anyway, but, like I yeah, said, when it comes to psychology and psychology and being good terminology, how we we do learn from words and communications, and that's why I like having these shows is to help people learn more. And, and you know, we 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 fill a void. Everybody does. If you don't think so. Uh, I guess you fall out of favor with your circle of friends or your team or your family. 
And well, some people are loners, and I wanted to make this bigger than uh, parapsychology or bigger than near death. Well, I don't. Experience. I don't think we needed to bring in witchcraft or Wicca. I mean, you know, again, well, those are belief systems under the pagan umbrella. And yes, pagan paganism and pagan beliefs go back thousands of years, and they are traditions that can be traced to various tribal cultures around the world whether they be Celtic in nature or other tribes in other countries. Yeah, because so, I mean, parapsychology is like this Stanley Krippner in parapsychology, and it is a, a flippant type of uh, pseudoscience. They'd like to – they don't want it to be a pseudoscience, but uh, meaning it's not a real science, but they say it is a study of uh, out-of-body, ESP, near-death, all of that. And they teach parapsychology now. So, But I don't like the word pseudo, but they mean it's not a science. But science is really when you can repeat something over and over again. But let me see why they say pseudoscience. Pseudoscience definition. Uh, it says a collection of beliefs or practices mistakenly regarded as being practiced based on scientific methods. So it consists, right. and that's Wikipedia again, which is always first yeah. on Google. But, but then, like I said, it can't, it can, it is should not be acknowledged yeah. as an absolute truthful Only source truth. because it's been disproven many times. Simply because it when it's beginning, erroneously regarded. Yeah. In, so in its very beginning, uh-huh. in its very beginning, Wikipedia could have anyone and everyone add any comment that they wished or any word that they wished and give a definition that they wished without proof that it was authentic, without proof of resources or, uh, you know, authentication whatsoever. Now, of course, we've come a long ways, and Wikipedia is a whole lot more careful as to exactly who they let in and what they let them write and the opinions they they allow them to share. Because, yes, they have caught in a lot of flack over, over time, in regards to you know things being written that are not pro- that are not proved to be true, but anyway, right. but you take that's, you consider the source okay. for what it is. Okay, that's all it is. It's, it's nothing yeah, more than a compendium of people's opinions. That's all it is. Yeah, and people do fight over that stuff too. <laughs> well, you can, you know. I mean, you know, again, medicine programs. Well. Now, let's go back. Let me go back to what we've got here because you talked a long time, but we've still got – are you kidding me? That No way. Oh, this has got to be wrong. Time until episode. We still have uh-huh. about 45 minutes. Okay. Yeah, 42 so, I mean, minutes. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's not saying that we absolutely have to fill the entire four to five minutes. It just depends on whether we do or we don't. I mean, that's purely up to us, you know. Well, practicing metaphysicians, tell people how they can join us. And, you know, if they like esoterics or if they want to be life coaches. And then I've got, you know, that we can do things together and help each other uh, in groups. We're just not meeting officially in Georgia or Florida right now, but I do talk to other people that have other groups like ours and uh, see what they're doing or if they're meeting at events. But there's a lot of parapsychological events going on, and we'd love to hear you 
your pupils uh, this week and this month. We're going to have on Thursdays. Come tell us your ghost stories and anything. Uh, oh, Richard, did you watch that? Just to mention that on Sundays, it's yes, spirituality. Yes, I did watch ghosts. Spiritualist. <laughs> you did watch ghosts. I, yes. I found it, it was, very entertaining. Yeah, it was entertaining. Well, tell now you've studied uh, spiritualist churches. Maybe we should be classified on Sundays with our online shows. Uh, we're church ministry online, and we're about universal uh, pastors at a Modesto, which is basically do what is right, isn't it? Like do what is good. It's the same as universal life church. Evil. Yes, we we are all accepting of all faiths, all branches, all traditions, and so on and so forth. We are non-judgmental. And we reach unto everybody with an unbiased love. Uh, basically, that's universalism, because that's what universal life means, is, is a sense of universalism, where everything, everything, everyone, all comes from the same source. So. Yeah, being God realized does not mean we are the creator. We are co-creators in many, many ways while we're here in a physical form as a soul inside a human body having a spiritual awakening, so to speak, of why we're here, what our purpose is as stewards, more of nature's God. And uh, I don't know how you'd say all world religions, all universal thoughts, all uh, even the monad, because science and philosophy coming together uh, into – well, science and philosophy. Let me look at monad. M O N A D. Monad that means singular. It's how much that means. Yes, yeah, singular. That's that's no big the deal. Philosophy. It means a singular. A single celled organism. So, if you believe in a, if you are a monad, monad <laughs> belief, subscribe to a monad tradition. It means that you have, you believe in one source. One singular source for all that is. Monad unit, great monad, older name for, oh, I can't even say it, Monadologia Physica <laughs> by Emmanuel Kant, yeah, A-N-D. Yeah. Okay, the meaning of until, until oh, a unit, meaning of a unit, okay. Well, folks, there's a lot of knowledge here, but a philosophy of monad, the Greek monad unit. So we're a unit, but we don't know how to think outside the unit. But we've broken it down in microcosm, down to gluons and everything else of the ultimate atom, and spin left and spin right. And monadic there's more than the, the monadic. But with psychology and our, our wills to live – we all have egos, and you have ego versus humility, but humility is and humanity is different. Humanity, yes, there is a big difference. When we're down here, we like to think of ourselves, oh, the humanity of it all, how we come together. But humility is a, is a way of being, and you can be humble and have an ego. Everyone needs an ego. Everyone has an ego, and that is like our outward support system. But ego and humility quotes. says, as long as you're proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down 
on thing and people and of course it's what are you quoting now it says goodreads uh goodreads there's nothing noble to be in spirit i'm just looking at all kind of i thought that was odd wisdom quotes and then they have goodreads and they have humility quotes on the highest throne in the world we still only <laughs> we we still sit only on our own bottom <laughs> So, just a funny little quote there. But, uh, Richard, what would you like to talk about? Because we have a long time yet. Well, uh, you opened up to... the subject matter of, of parapsychology, parapsychology and paranormal yeah. and, and all of the rest of it. And, I mean, like I said, the grandfather umbrella of all of this is metaphysics. Yeah. That's, that's the forerunner to all of that. So, I mean, you know. Now, yes, if you want to get into spiritualism, uh, the spiritualist church was created by three mediums way back in the 1600s, I believe, and they turned, uh, eventually formed a camp in the outskirts of Upper New York, and uh, it became a movement that uh, was not overly prolific. But like any other group or movement, it did bring unto itself those that were attuned or those that felt drawn to the wisdom that they were sharing. And yes, they were all mediums. They all participated yeah, by going right. into. They all participated by going into trance. They all participated by reaching through the veil to the other side, of, to the other world, or to you know, Valhalla uh, or whatever you want to call it. Okay, uh, the Elysian Fields, I mean, I can give like a, a couple hundred names for it, but it all basically boils down to the fact that basically when you transit through the veil, you're only spirit. You are no longer physical. Your physical self remains on this side of the veil because it dies. It, it you know, uh, is mortal, and it just goes back to decomposing into the things that put it together and made it function in the first place. While your spirit passes through the veil and goes to the other side and you meet uh, your guardians, your guides, your angels, your past relatives, your past lovers, your ancestors, uh, all, all kinds of different persons, you know, because they are all residing in spirit on the other side of the veil. So uh, a medium is a person that has the ability to obtain a altered state of consciousness or an altered state of being in a manner of speaking where they are reaching unto the other side or into or past the other side or un into the other side of the veil and therefore they communicate directly with spirits that are residing on the other side of the veil now depending on how much they wish to allow themselves to be utilized will determine, in fact, how much they change while they are under this trance state and, one, and when they are actually in communication with a spirit presence from the other side of the veil. Some change dramatically. In other words, uh, their physical mannerisms change, their voice changes, their facial expressions change, their hand gestures change. The whole nine yards as though to give another person the impression that they are no longer witnessing the person they had come to know or thought they knew, 
prior to them sitting down and prior to them going into this altered state of trance. Okay? So in other words, the spirit comes in and basically the person, as far as their identity goes or personality goes, steps to the side or sits off to the side and allows this spirit to utilize their physical self to express themselves emotionally, mentally, and verbally to the audience that is gathered there. Now, of course, uh, this was begun way back in the day, and it was uh, done through um, oracles, and then it came forward from oracles to uh, mediums, and then from mediums into channelers and so forth. Anyway, Are you okay? um, yeah, I'm fine. Um, just had a, a pose of thought for a moment. Anyway, okay. um, so, so a channel. Person, or I can say that an agent considered to provide wisdom and insightful counsel are prophetic predictions. So I guess a lot of psychics are prophetic and can give predictions, but. Some use cards, some use uh, oracle cards, some use rituals, some can scry, some can look in crystal balls and see prophetic things, and some use the, can look into black onyx or black uh, anything and see uh, things happening. But a response or message given typically is uh, uniquely formed by divination and how you divine in parapsychology could be that you are clairvoyant or clair, uh, I guess, omnificent. You can see things, hear things, all clear audience, right? And all these different things that we've discussed before. But yes. a priest or priestess acting as a medium through advice or a prophecy thought from the gods, that's classical uh, philosophy, antiquity. In uh, yes. archaic means, messages given. So basically, we're like a muse, and you you can divine through others. Now, have you got anything on the parapsychology of precognition? Spiritual church beginnings were buff, roughly in, like you said, English speaking in America, 1800s. But they were individuals that wanted to speak to the people on the other side of the death of the bodies ascending into a spiritual existence. And in Cambridge, yes. says all Catholics are spiritualists. In 2018, I'm looking that up, spiritualists. So it's a choice whether you believe in that we go on and we are spirits. But yeah. going to the church that believes in speaking to the other side through the veil, they actually would do that. Plus, they've got whole cities and communities here in Florida and Indiana. I've not been to them, but I've heard about them. And they all well, love amongst to, each other. Have their I've churches. been to Casadago. Which is a city of God, which is there in Florida. Oh, it's not very far away from Orlando. Oh, okay. it's about that an must hour be and a half, an hour and a half east uh, oh. from Orlando. And yes, it's called Casa Daga, the house of Do the house of God. And yes, basically, it is kind of like a mini, mini. Well, I wouldn't even call it a city. I call it more or less like a, an encampment where there's a group of individuals that, uh, you know, some of them reside with houses of their own now in the immediate area. 
Um, they used to have a large body of water, which unfortunately has been drained off by the government because they used to derive a great deal of energy from that body of water. And that's the only reason I mentioned it, because naturally, anytime you have a body of water, uh, there is a great deal of energetic presence, whether it be emotional, spiritual, etc. Bodies of water are just, that's their nature. They contain a great deal of emotion and a great deal of energy. So anyway, they uh, cluster around a specific hotel, okay? And this hotel has uh, conference rooms and so forth. And, of of course, it's like a regular hotel. It has rooms where you can come and stay if that's what you choose to do. Uh, You know, stay for a weekend or whatever, and you can sign up to to the group, and you can get four, five, 10, 12 readings, depending how many you wanted to read, have read have them do a reading for you, and, of course, the prices vary and so forth. And then, of course, the mediums or the readers meet in a group of their own, and they have conferences amongst themselves. And like I said, some of the readings are done there in the hotel. Some of the readings are done at the conference center. Some of the readings are actually done at some of the practicing mediums' own homes. Um, and I know because I, I transited over there a few times and I met some of the mediums and I've, uh, to this day, I still have friendships amongst those in given individuals and I do correspond or, or make phone calls on occasion. Um, but yes, uh, that's Casa Daga and like I said, that's the city of God and it is a mediumship encampment where basically you have, like I said, about, you know, I, I don't know exactly how many blocks. I would guesstimate uh, at least maybe a dozen blocks of homes, and the centerpiece of which is a hotel, and then there's a conference center, and then there's a few gift shops, and the gift shops even offer readings, and you can buy all kinds of stones and all kinds of various esoteric items in the gift shops and things, and all of this kind of thing, and uh, they... The original founders, I believe, came from the encampment in New York originally. Well, what, and so what that's are you how saying? They, I don't even understand the words you're saying. Casa is like house. Casa Daga, Spanish. It's Spanish. Casa Daga. C-A-S-A-D-A-G-A. Casa Daga. Well, it's so funny. I've heard people talk about it for years, but nobody ever knew the name of it. That's the yep. Casa Daga Florida Tourism Spiritualist Camp. All yeah, you need that's to know. What it is. Okay, Reverend Philip DeLong. Let's see. All you need to know. But in that, now that Casa Daga Spiritualist Camp, let me see where that is. If anybody's interested in Florida, uh, it says Southern Casa Daga Spiritualist. Ooh, 1874, it yep. says. Uh, Visit website. Now, the one I was telling you about, the Zen Awakening Conference, is down in Lakeland at the Maddox Ranch at 2505 West Bella Vista Street, Lakeland, Florida. Z-E-N, Zen Awakening Festival 2021. And uh, you can watch it on YouTube, the Zen Awakening Festival. Lots and lots of music, uh, headliners, Rising Appalachia, World travelers have been coming there for two decades, and they have multiple global music influences. That's the one that Brett Luter is going to be speaking at 
for and it's four days of live performances of okay. uh, music, four day retreat in Orlando, Florida, featuring workshops, expos, curtain, drum, fire circle, camping in nature. Well, then it's a uh, lot more than just Zen, because I mean Zen. Zen is a philosophy and spiritual tradition unto itself. And I just so, own I mean, that. Zen Awakening. Yeah, uh, they have spiritual teachers. Uh, I'm reading off of their events. Spiritual teachers, art, crafts, food vendors, native ceremonies, healing, sanctuary, conscious music, and mind. November 11th, that's next month, folks. If you're yeah. interested, uh, we have friends going down there. It's it's about 400 miles for me. But the tickets are anywhere from 77 to $1,444 for all four days. So uh, they've got 51 followers as of today's in Awakening Festival. All right. So if you're into that, that goes with our show because of spiritualism on Sundays. And, of course, Brett Luter was one of our first ACL speakers on this radio show. And uh, he will be speaking at that four-day event. And we got started here promoting Stargate to the Cosmos Expo as well. So we owe our whole radio station to promoting things like this. But now Richard and I are going to form, and hopefully people will want to join what we're creating. It's not Casa Daga, and it's not the Zen Festival, Zen Awakening Festival, but there's all types of festivals all over. And I just can't well, be a promoter is, of this. Well, it's it's obvious that, you know, if this is an in-person event, that obviously, you know, the COVID concerns of people meeting together and sitting together Ooh. and being, you in know, up close season. and personal with each other <laughs> is uh, either being waived or ignored, one of the two. Um, what can I say? Know. It's in Florida. Florida's a Republican state, really. Hey, let's not uh, get into public, into politics. (laughs) Spiritualist Camp, Casa Daga Spiritualist Camp, and the Zen Awakening uh, Festival. It's uh, transformational. Co-create, participate, and connect. But they're both close to the same place, apparently. I wonder how far this is. Casa Daga is from Orlando. Do you remember how far couple hours, a couple hours really? towards the East Coast. Yep. So that whole area down there, uh, Casa Dega Spiritualist Camp. Let me see. It's got a bookstore and an office, and you've been there. It's a city for mediums. Yes. So I've had people ask me why I don't live there before because I'm a psychic and I'm in Florida. But I don't really think that I would want to live with a whole bunch of spiritualists and Psychics, to be honest. Well, see, I'm psychic at mediums, you know, psychic, psychic mediums, mediums, you know, channelers. There is only a fine line dividing all of the above. Wow, it's way down in the Everglades, it looks like. My goodness, it's really south. Let me see how far Casa de let's see, it says Helene, Florida, uh, on this. Uh, it actually gives a city. Is mm-hmm. it Helene or Hel? Yeah, Helen, Florida. Let me see how far that is from this. Helen, Florida, uh, from Orlando. Let's see how far, because people will probably fly into Orlando. Oh, it's only 33 minutes. 
How about that? It's right near Daytona Beach. Good land. Lake yep. Helen. Oh, wait, that's Lake Helen. No, I was that's saying That's not Helen, the right Florida. place. Yeah. I don't think so. Let's see, Lake Helen. It is Orlando. above Daytona, though. Oh, is it? Okay, this says yep. Helen, Florida. Okay, let me hit 11 Street, what I'm trying to get, as a 1112 Stevens Street in Lake. No, it is right. Lake Helen. Lake Helen. Yeah, well, the lake so is, is no longer there. It's been drained. Oh, they drained it. So yes. they have all these hotel Casa Daga, and uh, you can stay there for spiritualists. Are so. What did you do while you were there? You were just visiting the area. I was helping someone move originally. Oh, to there or away from there? To be there. It's a little city. To there, and very interesting, yeah. Richard. Well, they were they were moving things from where they were to recombining with what they already had there. Because they already had a house there, so oh, it was helping okay. them, them recombine or, or move back to where they had come from at one well, point now in the time or another. We're different from spiritualism churches, but we do believe the same. We believe in ascension and the spirit of eternity, but spiritualist church have roots in, like you would say, ancient practices of talking to the spirit are channeling like in a box where they make uh, physical, uh, what is that stuff? They Plasma? Ectoplasma. The yeah. Ectoplasma. So do you believe in that? Or have you ever seen that? I have never seen I have seen never seen ectoplasm that. created. I have Me been either. before a number of mediums and a great many channelers, and uh, some of them change effect, affect, and some don't. Uh, some of them change voices and some don't. Uh, some of them change personalities and some don't. Um, uh, Sylvia Brown, who was a psychic medium, of course, uh, basically there was very little change octave-wise between her regular speaking self and her speaking self when she was channeling or when she was performing as a medium but her there was a significant difference in personality huh. uh, so in other words the manner in which she spoke and the way in which she spoke were different even though the tone and voice was very similar well you but had, like you i said this very churches in new orleans didn't you did you get to go to any spiritual churches in new orleans I've been to all kinds of churches in New Orleans. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I have. Uh, what kind? I mean, I've been to voodoo ceremonies. I've seen. Oh my! Uh, you know, I've been to You're voodoo well ceremonies. Ready. I've been to Centurion ceremonies. I've been to Damblo. You know, uh, all kinds of different ceremonies of a spiritual nature, depending uh, that very, very greatly on the spiritual path that the traditional practitioners were practicing at the time. So, I mean, you yeah, know, well, witnessed a great many different voodoo, things. Right? No, it's not. Spiritualism is, is a, spiritualism is a movement uh, founded on the ability to reach unto the spirit world and deliver pertinent information to those having concerns regarding relatives that had just recently passed over or died. That's now, what spiritualism uh, was founded upon. Let's not go there, okay? 
going to New Orleans religious community right now, but we're I'm close folks and I'm very curious. So Richard lived there and he did a lot. Now uh, Yes, I lived there, there for ten years. So yes. Anyone living there for ten years would do a lot. Spiritualism yeah, is, is entirely is entirely out on a branch in and of itself. Okay. There are spiritualist church churches around the country and there are even some there in Florida, matter of fact. Matter of fact, there's a spiritualist church in Daytona. So anyway, um, from which one of the mediums that was at the encampment in Casadaga would go every Sunday and actually give a service uh, to the followers at a church in, oh, goodness, lost my turn of thought. Anyway. Uh, well, spiritualist they, churches versus voodoo churches and and you said, uh, now, spiritualists, do you want to tell people the difference? You, you like don't have voodoo humanity? churches, okay? Voodoo is, is an entirely uh, tribal tradition. It do. has no church, <laughs> okay? Uh, We're blending well, the three you're, things you're, together. Well, I'm reading Spiritu- stuff spiritualism, all yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, well, spiritualism is a group of people that, you know, founded uh, a what would you call it, a self-expression, you know. Uh, they became, me- they were mediums, so they began allowing people to come see them in order to get uh, messages from the other side. And that's what a medium does. They speak, they speak directly to spirits or they allow, you know, spirit, spirits speak directly to them and they deliver the message to whoever it is that's sitting in front of them. Uh, whether they, you know... And they had people come there to get traditional religions of the West, Central Africa. And what Roman are you reading Catholic. from? A whole bunch of stuff with uh, live science versus voodoo, uh, Haitian voodoo religions and conversations. Uh, yeah, I find there's, it there's interesting. All kinds of, there's all kinds of branches of voodoo, okay? Uh, yes, it was originally founded in Africa, and there were basically two two uh, specific tribes uh, and, and, you know, they each had different, different, uh, different symbology and different belief systems. And I just don't feel like getting all into that. I don't see where it's relevant. Uh, it's, uh, a spirit, it's a spiritual path that if you're interested in, there's a tremendous amount of knowledge that can be obtained right on the net or directly from participants that use that congregate in voodoo houses in New Orleans, New York, religion. and other places around the country. Yeah, and I just got off of major world religions, but uh, spiritualist churches are uh, bottom line. It says voodoo serving spirits as plural versus spiritualist of uh, people on the other side, spirit and God. Uh, in the languages, so every these are uh, we can get into cultures later, but world religions do cross over into um, I guess how we're raised culturally around the world, and uh, apparently this came from Africa, and uh, the one of the spiritualist church was mostly English, and when they came over in the 1800s and formed America. They seems to be more of the spiritualist churches in the 1800s, so that's interesting in itself, right? So, 
humility, ego and humility, spiritualist church beginning. Uh, but now parapsychology, even though the spiritualist church is affiliated with parapsychology, you would say that the spiritualist church is more about departed souls. Yeah, it is. It's called a religion or a movement based on it's departed a souls. Yes. A movement. Spiritualism is a movement. But right. during the ascending into a spiritual existence. So our group is about ascension, raising self, spirit, awareness, everything, spiritualist. But uh, regarding missing metaphysicians, how would you lead our group on Sundays of, uh, you know, how we are practicing metaphysicians? And what books do you think we should I've got my own books that I've put out there, but uh, different books on esoterics, maybe, uh, our metaphysics, how to social network metaphysics is one I wrote. That uh, You know the word mundane. I like that word, but it's only – it sounds so – let me look it up, mundane. Now, in what we do, mundane is uh, – says – Halloween? Why would it say that? Family definition. Adjective found ordinary course of events. So regular. Right. If someone is regular. What you experience in life on a normal day-to-day basis, it is considered to be mundane in the fact being that it is not extraordinary. You know, there's there's no spirituality to it. There's no uh, uplift, upliftment to it necessarily. It is almost like, uh, you know, ro- mundane existence is, would be similar to robotic experiences. In other words, things that you constantly do, constantly encounter, uh, like going to work every day, then going to eat at a place, and then in turn going home and, you know, watching television and going to bed. That would be a mundane experience. Now, what's the opposite? I don't know how to look up what's the opposite of mundane. I guess maybe I can try that. Let's see. Well, mundane opposite. Okay, here it is. Mundane opposite. Mundane. Now, synonyms and antonyms. Opposite of mundane. Word, I don't know uh, that we're sharing a whole lot, in all honesty, because these are all things that an individual person can do. They can look up words in a dictionary. They can look up in you yes. know, words on the net. Well, the op of mundane, basically. And so, yeah, you could look that up. But I like to discuss supernatural is a way to say it, maybe. Uh, the mundane and those, like they would say, those were moguls and muggles, right, in Harry Potter, mundane uh, muggles. Yes, the muggles. <laughs> The, the wizards and well, the muggles and the yeah, half-breeds. So, <laughs> the muggles. I like that word, muggles. And it says it is a word. A person who is not conversant with a particular activity or right. skill. But exactly. They, have, they are not born into the magic. They are not born into magic, okay? Yeah. Yeah, a person who lacks any sort of magical ability. <laughs> right. They have no, no family magical. heritage of, of ma- magical practitioners. Well, tell us about uh, 
in investing in people that have uh, premonitions and the history of their dreams and lucid dreams because maybe next time we can talk about other dimensions and realms because I'm hearing the word realm a lot. Do you do that, Richard, where you'll what? Uh, have things happen like numbers, 111, 33, oh, and uh, they say that could be your angels or your spirit guides walking around you or being with you. And uh, the way that uh, you talk about not the mundane, but the paranormal and the supernatural, those things happen, synchronicities. And that's well, part mean, of parasitology. What, what I would consider to be normal, most people would consider to be abnormal. What I would <laughs> consider to be mundane most people would consider to be supernatural, okay? That's, okay. that's just how much of a difference there is from my take on life and the experiences that I have in comparison to someone who is adapted to regular societal norms. Well, we adapt and overcome, but we change constantly. Well, and, of course. Uh, that's, the only, that's the only constant in the entirety of creation is change. Nothing right. is ever stagnant. Well, that's one good thing you can tell people to leave a message of how we work together in parapsychology in our group of people. If you want to come on and be on your on our radio show, let us know. If you'd like to talk about how you're different, unique, and have supernatural uh, interests or paranormal interests, let us know. We're always interested in other people's uh, perceptions and uh, personalities, especially if you're writing a book. We have ACO Authors Club online. And welcome anybody to uh, come and be in our speech craft. I have Ascension Center organization, and uh, everybody is welcome to come. Or we have Ace Folk Life Archives. And Richard and I have started. We don't know what it's going to be yet, but it's uh, it's forming <laughs> since June uh, in 2021. I guess it will be whatever he and I decide to write and do on radio shows and put in books and videos is uh it's him and i right now uh my children uh said they will help but that's it so if you're interested in the history of ascension cosmos oracles or what we're doing in cyberspace culture please let us know uh if you need friends nobody likes to be alone and people like to be included so we're forming a circle like you do with spiritualist churches and hopefully someday we can all sit in the same circle. But until then, we may just have a Skype meeting and share who we are. Our, uh, we have meetup groups left over from the last few events we've had, including Portal uh, Stargate Portal. I don't even know how to say it now. Portal Stargate, I guess. Yes. Well, Richard, we've come to about the last six minutes of your personalities and perceptions of the supernatural but I think you did a good job about ego and humility and having the wisdom of the heart and mind for our group to cater to a group of people that might like to be experiencing more than they are now. And I think that's a good reason to have radio because a lot of people find joy in connecting to what we do here on Sundays. So any last words of wisdom that you'd like to leave? No, I'll just say that, you know, be consciously aware of all that you can become aware of. Be the spirit that you are and not purely the human that you are. Rather, be spiritually human. 
and as much human. as spiritually human, yes, spiritually human. Huh. The the key is to be to place spirit first and human afterwards. So you are a spirit having a human experience rather than you are a human chasing after a spiritual experience. That's um, a cornerstone of my philosophy. You know, you're a spiritual entity, a spiritual essence that is down here incarnate in the physical self. And so there is no need for you to chase after spiritual experience since that is what you already are. Rather than going at it from the opposite end, which would be a human being searching for spiritual contact and spiritual information that is outside of yourself when all of it and everything that you need to know already resides within you. Well, there's plenty of places to share who you are now, and I've noticed a lot changed in the Internet. I don't know if any of you others have noticed it, but being here with Google, Microsoft, and even Blog Talk Radio owned by VoxNest and Spreaker owned by iHeart, the largest radio company, uh, at least in the nation, H-E-A-R-T, but uh, we're heard on Spotify and other places. Yes, uh, I mean, you the know, there, there, were a, there was a couple of days where Facebook crashed completely. Oh, yeah. True. And all of this kind of thing. So it just, yeah, it just goes to show, you know, that, the internet is not as uh, reliable as a lot of people would think it to be, you know. And I think that was done as a demonstration that yes, you should be able to uh, relate and socialize without the necessity of sitting in front of a computer to do so. Uh, not that social media is bad, because it's it's actually great. It filled the gap and it filled the void when we were under pandemic lockdown circumstances, and we were not supposed to socialize whatsoever. Uh, the Internet did, in fact, fill that void for, you know, and has been filling that void for a great many, even as I speak currently. But the thing of it is, you know, uh, there's there's more to life than just social media. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want us to, to have a whole race of human beings that do nothing but communicate with each other by texting on their phone. I mean, that would be a crime. I think we already have that. <laughs> no, I don't think that we do. When I look around the people, that's what they do in the bigger cities and even on TV these days. But we are going into space, folks, so stay tuned. Uh, a lot of us are going to be the stewards of this planet. You can count on that. And we will be refurbishing and using the environment for uh, recycling and all of that. But uh, stay tuned to our radio show, if you will. We'll do our best to keep you abreast of what's happening. And I don't really think that everything is going to change instantly, but they'll try to show you that there are things that can change before your eyes, including the powerful grid that we all need. But please, everybody, stay uh, among the spirits that know that while you're in body, you still need food, clothing, and shelter. So stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, come see us old guys uh, that are writing books and talking on radio shows to help your life be more than it is today. We hope that you'll be more, feel like you're talking to people of the ascension, 
And uh, we're considered ascension masters, having lived and died and lived again, out-of-body, near-death experiencers we are. And uh, this is normal for us, like Richard said. (laughs) Uh, We may talk a little different than your normal conscious people around you, but uh, we're doing so with hopefully wisdom and with wanting to be humble and to know that spirit is our normal and ego is the clothes we wear as a human being. Ego is and superego, as Richard said earlier. And uh, another way is that we're conscious and that our subconscious is like our parasympathetic nervous system. Make sure we breathe and our heart's beating and all of that. And our superconscious is like our higher soul source that leads us to our guides and angels that are always all around us because we're all spirits and we're all immortal. And we provide knowledge that Alien civilizations exist and that immortal human beings find their superpower while they're here on Earth. So find yours and come back and see us. Richard's is his voice. (laughs) I like his voice. That's his superpower. I've never met him, but he tells me he's human. I have to believe that even though I've only met him in the airwaves. (laughs) So his superpower voice meets with us on Sundays. And uh, hopefully Thursday, Richard, maybe we'll get back on Thursdays. If that's Wednesdays and Thursdays, uh, we're going to do our best uh, to come back and Richard be working on those books. And uh, we'll get them out there on Kindle, folks, and get you some Richard T. Knight uh, books of inspiration of uh, not-so-mundane supernatural <laughs> Richard, you going to watch the ghost this Thursday? Most likely so. Me too. Wednesday is uh, Survivor. I miss my big brother, but I've got Survivor. Anything special of sci-fi that we should be watching or be aware of, Richard? You've heard anything? Oh, no. You, you've got the conglomerate of things coming down the pike now. I mean, you know, they're showing all the Get old ready. movies. They're showing all the old series. They're showing all, you know like Halloween and... Uh, oh, that's right. This is October. Oh, I love that one with Bette Midler. Uh, what, what is that one with Bette Midler? What is the name of that? They play it. You know who I'm talking about? Which Not Witchcraft not sure. 3. Hocus Darn Pocus. it. Hocus yes, Pocus. there you go. Yay, I love yeah, that Hocus Pocus. Yeah, last night. I've seen it about three oh, times. Oh, was it? Oh, it's no, wonderful. I missed it. Oh, I don't That's okay. It it'll be on again. Said. Trust. It'll be on again. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Focus. You know. Focus. I bet yeah. I did watch a Chucky for the first time ever. I've never. I've always been scared to watch. I don't watch. Uh, what are those called? Horror movies. But my yeah. youngest daughter loved them. I, I do love Hocus Pocus, though. Oh my gosh, that's well. I saw. Dad and I saw the first I, Chucky, and that was enough for me. I haven't gone with the Bride of Chucky or. Oh, that's all the, the one. All I the saw the Bride of was hilarious. It was, uh, fortunately for me, I picked the right one because it was hilarious. Over yeah. the years, I guess I knew that Chucky was a doll that did bad things, but this one with the girl, it was funny. There was some great stars in there. Matter of fact, Kathy and Jimmy, that's in Hocus Pocus, was in the uh, one with Bride of Chucky, so she got the cameo yeah. appearance in there, cleaning I the. It, nope. We're closing well, things you, out. Folks. Yes. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate all of you listening. Yes. 
Thank you, everybody. Okay, Richard, uh, if they want to get in touch with you, they can get you on your Facebook. Yes, Richard Knights, and there's an there's an angel with a sword pointed down to the earth on my profile. And if you look in the pictures on my profile, you can see my big smiling face. Um, I do have a regular picture of my human self that is incorporated into my profile. Um, I also run a group called uh, Divinely Inspired Inspirations, and I have about 100 members therein, and we are growing on a daily basis. And you can find me on LinkedIn as Richard T. Knight, um, and you can also find me at rtknight35 at gmail.com. Good. Gmail always helps. Everybody needs a Gmail. All right. I'm TJ Morris Agency at Gmail. Also, TJ Morris Reporter at Gmail and TJ Morris American at Gmail. So look forward to uh, sharing with you and uh, keep doing the Authors Club online, meaning write, writers write, and that's what we do here, and we speak. So we have a Speakers Bureau and a Writers Bureau for Authors Club Online members. And Richard is our honorary president of ACO Club, and we're working on books, at least in our minds anyway. (laughs) So stay tuned, and we will come back and see you. And love and light, everybody. And I guess I'm going to return to some psychic readings maybe on Tuesdays or something. I don't know. Whoever, just give me a call if you want to participate. We've got a psychic guide up there. Richard's on it too. All right. Love and light, everybody. Talk to you uh, Wednesday. Thank you, Richard. Excellent show as usual. Good night, everybody. Sweet dreams. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.